Yeah. They calling me controversial. I don't know why, I'm just telling the truth. Yeah. They're indoctrinating kids with lies. It's just evil in disguise. They say that it's love, but they lie. They say that they're girls, but they're guys. Or they say they have no gender. From guy sports to girls, where they're winners. From now on, I identify as a ninja turtle. Where's Master Splinter? They calling me controversial. They calling me controversial. They calling me controversial. They calling me controversial. Jesus was controversial. Paul was controversial. Elijah was controversial. Yeah, telling the truth is controversial. Welcome to the Matt Buff Show. Great to have you with us. Check out thebuffshow.com. Also, my pillow, promo code Buff, up to 66% off. Support Mike Lindell. He's all fired up right now about what happened in Arizona. Aren't we all? The lawyers are descending. What a mess. Even people that don't follow elections saw that. And then I hear Republicans on TV and other places saying, oh, you know what? Maybe we should play the same game. Maybe we should ballot harvest. Maybe we should do early voting pushes. Maybe we should turn this into gangs in New York where we go to somebody's door and bust it open and say, come on, it's time to vote. And I need your signature here. I don't know. What do you say? Dinesh D'Souza back on the show with us. What a mess and what a good victory in some places. Yeah, I mean, there were some bright spots. Uh, We shouldn't lose sight of those. I think uh, one of them is Florida, the Florida model. The other is the, um, well, the steady movement of Hispanics toward the GOP. This has long-term significance. Uh, We didn't win all the Hispanic races. There are three Latinos who ran, Latinas who ran in South Texas. Only one of them won, but the other two came really close. And this is in an area that's been... um, you know, it's 85% Hispanic and it's been the bluest part of Texas. So the fact that we're even competitive in those districts is kind of amazing. Uh, and then a little bright spot in New York where there were some house races that went our way and probably were uh, responsible for the GOP having a narrow hold on the house. So those are silver linings when what otherwise was kind of a, a little bit of a dark cloud election. Yes, it was indeed. We talked about Arizona. I want to highlight the book, holding it up now, 2,000 Mules, the book. It has arrived. You can get it wherever books are uh, sold. This is the full story. Dinesh, you put interviews in here. You got some great photos. And I just want to talk about the book before we move on, because you also talk about a path forward we can discuss, like what we did in Florida. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that we can do to clean up elections. And I think the real pity is that in some of these states, uh, you have Republican legislatures, places like Pennsylvania, and they should have cleaned it up already. But they are very sleepy, very inert, very inactive. They get bullied by Democratic lawyers. Uh, they get pushed around. And so a lot of this is a is a wake-up call to the Republicans because clearly it's not as if one thing went wrong. Many things went wrong. Uh, There's a problem of leadership. There's potentially a problem of messaging. Uh, There's certainly a problem of organization. There's a problem of fixing the voter and um, the various elements of voter integrity. So all of this needs to be done and done before 2024. It certainly does. When we talk about what happened in Arizona, for example, there was just a mess with voting machines, unnecessarily long lines, printer errors, and then strange ballot dumps late in the night. Is is two is two thousand mules turning into three thousand mules potentially? 
You know, it's a good question. I'm very cautious about the subject of the mules because in some ways with, with the 2020 election, we have the geo tracking, we have the surveillance video. So I, I didn't come out and sort of speculate this was going on. I, I looked at the evidence first and then I go, wow, look at this. We have the, we have the, these mules uh, going to 10 or more drop boxes. Look on the video. There's the guy. Look what he's doing, putting in ballots. So um, this became the basis for the movie and, and the book. It's very calm and systematic. Uh, and this is why all the nonsense about the film and the book being debunked. Um, I think uh, the, the book does a good job of answering the critics uh, of the film, including, by the way, Liz Cheney, Bill Barr. So we got to keep an eye out for all that. But I think what happened in Maricopa, leaving aside the mules for a second, is simply... Um, the fact that they they realize that Republicans are kind of holding their fire and voting on election day. Uh, this could have been a, might have been a mistake. I say that because if you look at Pennsylvania, you know Fetterman put a million votes in the bank uh, before election day, and even though Oz beat Fetterman on election day, it wasn't enough to overcome the vote deposit that Fetterman had accumulated. Uh, and so I think the Democrats figured, listen, these Republicans are not doing early voting. They're all saving their fire. They're all going to come out on Election Day. So if we block them on Election Day. They'll have no recourse. Uh, and that's something we got to keep in mind. We were sort of tricked um, in Maricopa on Election Day in what was going to be a close election anyway. But I mean, it is almost incomprehensible to me that Kerry Lake lost a free and fair election. That I completely agree. Just based on the numbers we saw alone, not just in polling, but what we saw on the ground and what we saw even when she was doing well in early voting. That's what I want to talk about. The uh, mail-in ballots um, and the ballot harvesting, to me, are the source of the problem. You talk about roots of the problem. Well, here in Florida, we have strict voter ID laws, strict laws against voter fraud, severe prison terms for anyone trying to commit voter fraud. We had a Democrat, Cynthia Harris, rat out the ballot harvesting that was going on and people went down for that. No ballot drop boxes, no ballot harvesting is allowed, like we said, and no ballots accepted for days after the election and no counting until the desired uh, result is achieved. We actually tabulate the early vote and that's why you saw a massive red tsunami. It's not geared towards Republicans, it's geared toward fairness. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think that we need a two-tier strategy in all states where Republicans have the legislative power. They need to use the Florida model, just sort of take the Florida model and copy it. And, um, and in states where Republicans don't have the power, got to recognize these laws are made at the state level, then we've got to adapt the system as it is. And that means that where in California, for example, where they, they allow harvesting, uh, we've got to harvest. Um, the, the, the Democrats are going to the, the liberal churches and collecting ballots and bringing them all in, in, a, in a single dump. We should go to the mega churches. There are plenty of conservative mega churches in California, collect ballots at those churches. But that means that conservative pastors have got to realize, hey, listen, this is going to be a part of the way we do business going forward. Because as you know, there is a whole bunch of conservative pastors who are like, well, it's not my job to get involved in politics. And yes, we can educate people. But so this is the kind of the old model. And, you know, I'm reminded a little bit of, of I follow the sport of tennis. In the last 10 years or so, they've built through technology these lighter rackets where you get more power but less weight. 
Now imagine some old style Bjorn Borg who goes, well, listen, I don't like the new racket, so they should be outlawed. Well, try to outlaw them, but if you can outlaw them and the other guy's playing with the lighter, better racket, you're kind of an idiot if you show up with a wooden racket and try to beat them. Uh, so this is why I think Republicans need to wisen up. One of the one of the lines in the movie that I think was the most prophetic is that Republicans focus on the campaign, Democrats focus on the election. And we need to focus both on the campaign and on the election. I love what you said. It's a little bit of my plan of one state at a, at a time, like Ohio and Florida did, just one state of at a time following the model. But if, if it's a Democrat-controlled place, then play by their rules. We got to get this done. I like how you combine both of them to say, yes, we can do both. And it's just unfortunate that we have blue states that are just doing this harvesting. I just think it's just going to lead to a banana situation with the Republic when, they, when everybody's out there harvesting ballots. So hopefully we can do both one state at a time and then beat them at their own game. I completely agree with you. Well, in some ways that's the most likely to discourage them from playing the game, right? In other words, if they realize that we are not only equaling, but outsmarting them in ballot harvesting, you won't believe how quickly they outlaw ballot harvesting. So the, <laughs> this is the point is that how do you change the other side's behavior? A lot of times on our side, we think that we change their behavior by appealing to some higher principle or being, quote, better than they are. So if they're, for example, shutting down our First Amendment rights, we go, well, listen, we got to be better than they are. We'll never do that to them. If they use the deep state against us, we got to be better than they are. We'll never do that to them. But precisely doing it to them is going to make them stop. This is the key point. When you start doing to them what they're doing to you, they're like, well, maybe it's not such a good idea. And uh, so this is where I think Republicans who've kind of been known to be the stupid party need to wisen up a little bit. I hope Republicans in the House with your new majority are listening to Dinesh. You have to play and you have to play hard. I'm not saying dirty, but you have to fight hard to get the American people to get that momentum going in 2024. You, you talk in the book a lot about uh, your partnership with True the Vote. They, of course, were arrested and held in contempt. The two, the two owners were uh, held in contempt for not giving up sources. Dinesh, what can you, I know they've been released since then, but Dinesh, what can you tell us about this whole story? It's just crazy. So this is a story that kind of is in the aftermath of 2000 Mules. Um, Greg Phillips in his research discovered, and that there was an informant involved, actually two, um, who came to him and basically said, hey, listen, you know, there's a election software company called Conic. It's based in Michigan, but has contracts with a number of cities and counties, including some in Texas. And these guys are storing a massive trove of U.S. election data, including, by the way, the names, addresses, bank account numbers, social security numbers of poll workers, storing it on servers in China. And um, and so our election system appears to be at least partially compromised because if you're storing it on Chinese servers, the Chinese officials, the Communist Party, they have access to it. So this is a little bit of a scary situation. Now, uh, Catherine and Greg were working with the FBI in Texas to bust this. But what happens is that the FBI in Washington, D.C. gets wind of it. That's the head office. And they sort of turn it against Catherine and Greg. In other words, what they do is they basically are protecting Connick. Uh, they're protecting this, uh, this bad actor, if you will, and going after the whistleblower. This is, you know, we've seen this happen before. So Catherine and Greg go public and say, this is what's going on. This is what we found out. Uh, and there's an arrest in, in, um, in California because the L.A. district attorney goes, you know what? There's something fishy going on here. 
they look, look into it themselves and verify that it's true. Um, but a dopey judge in Texas demands of Catherine and Greg, name the FBI whistleblower who came to you in the first place. Now, you know, pause right there because research organizations, journalists have informants all the time. Um, they wouldn't have them if they're not able to give them a guarantee of confidentiality. So <clears throat> Catherine and Greg were like, you know, we can't give up the guy's name. And uh, the judge goes, okay, I'm going to lock you up until you do. So fortunately, they were able to appeal it. The judge didn't change his mind, but a higher court stepped in and basically said, release these two. Now, mysteriously, LA has dropped the charges against Eugene Yu, the CEO of Conic. And again, I think that is an extension of the corruption. Let's remember, of course, LA is run by a very left-wing DA, George Gascon. I think there were some decent guys in his office that were pushing this investigation. He found out about it. He's kind of in the back pocket of people like Pelosi and Adam Schiff. And I think he decided, hey, listen, you know, I'm not going to go forward with this. So we're beginning to see the way in which corruption has percolated, by the way, not just into the very top rungs of the FBI, but I think it seeps uh, further down. We need to take a hard look at the FBI. I was just fascinated by this story, and I was so glad you were able to come on and break this down and give the people the background of what happened. What's next for Greg and Catherine then? Well, I think they are going to push forward with all this. I mean, they what is amazing to me is they are, you know, encircled with lawsuits. The, you know, the FBI is after them because the FBI would like to make them into the bad guys. Now, they're not the bad guys. I don't think the FBI's got anything on them. But as we see with the January 6th defendants, sometimes they don't have something on you and they still go after you. Yes. Um, on my podcast yesterday, I described the case of a British doctor who was in Washington, D.C. as a tourist. He noticed people going toward the Capitol. He moseys over there. He sees people going inside. He goes inside. Nobody stops him. He picks up a tourist brochure and they go after him. They ruin him. They ta- they, he's, they've taken away his medical license now. For what? Nothing. So my point is these people are absolute bullies. And this is a kind of third world gangsterism that has now sadly become a feature of American life. We're watching this play out. Just wait till you see what happens to the lawsuits in Maricopa County. Just wait till you see how those people are treated that are just trying to do an audit. Not a recount, but an audit. You'll see the same kind of things. Everybody check out the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. We got the links on thebuffshow.com. You can find Dinesh anywhere. Get the book, 2,000 Mules, but also check out the movie on Salem Now. Dot com. You can check out the movie there because Dinesh does this great movie, which really exposes all this. And, you know, it's just funny, Dinesh. Last question to you. You guys exposed all this uh, fraud with the mules. I haven't in- heard any FBI agent interview you about how to track these mules down. Not one. Um, I mean, admittedly, the research was done largely in these Democratic precincts, and I can see why the Democrats aren't too eager to get to the bottom of it. It's really disturbing how even in places like Georgia and Arizona, where you have had Republicans who are in a position to act and and yet they haven't done it. Look, I mean, I'm willing to and true the voters to put our research up for verification. Let's go talk to the mules. Maybe they've got a perfectly good explanation for maybe the one guy goes, hey, listen, you know, uh, in Georgia, you're allowed to return ballots of your family members. I've got 72 family members. I had to go to a lot of different drop boxes for whatever reason. And this is a perfectly innocent explanation of why my cell phone can be found and I can be seen on the video at these drop boxes. Maybe there is a plausible explanation. 
I don't think there is. Um, and in fact, if you looked at, at look at the so-called debunkings of the movie, they're so um, prima facie stupid. Um, I mean, AP, for example, you know, Dinesh, you say that the mules were wearing gloves, but you Gorb, know, it was really yeah. cold in Georgia in the winter. You know, I mean, if you see the movie, they're not wearing woolen or leather gloves. They're wearing latex gloves, which are immediately removed when the ballots go in the box. Yeah, that's on video, along with other many great things that you may not see anywhere else. And in fact, the reason the left is so hard on uh, trying to debunk said movie is because it's a threat to their processes. I think that's the real problem there. So, Dinesh, thank you so much for breaking this down. The fight continues. There's a lot of unanswered questions we're going to get to the bottom to, but thank you for your insight today. Hey, always a pleasure. Okay, sounds good. We'll be back on the Map Off Show. You stay with us. Cost of living is skyrocketing, and paychecks just can't keep up. But if you're lucky enough to be a public employee, you can give yourself a raise. Visit optouttoday.com and stop paying union dues. We've helped over 100,000 public employees just like you opt out and save an average of $1,000 per year. Opt out today and put more food, fuel, and fun back into your life. It's your money. You earned it. Visit optouttoday.com. Hey, Matt Buff from The Buff Show. I love being in the middle of nowhere with the family. Problem is, I can't get any service out here. I wish there was a better solution. Maybe like a satellite phone or something. Let me head back to the office and check this out. All right, let's check this out. Satellitephonestore.com. Oh, look at this. Very cool. Do I need a satellite phone? Well, it says satellite phones provide voice, SMS, and data services anywhere on the earth. And you don't have to rely on cell phone networks. Very cool. Satellite phones work everywhere when you're outside. All right, what's this? Why do I need a satellite terminal? With one of these devices, you can stay in communication without a dedicated satellite phone. Better yet, you can text, call, and depending on the device, use all your favorite smartphone apps too. Hey, what's this bivy stick? The new Bivy Stick is the smallest and simplest to use radium global satellite communications and tracking device in the world. Wow, the smallest and most simple satellite communication device weighs just 100 grams. About half the weight of your cell phone. Look at this, one to three days delivery. Very cool. Call 941-841-0844. I will do that. 941-841-0844. Visit SatellitePhoneStore.com for special offers. Or you can visit SAT1234.com and mention The Buff Show. 941-841-0844. Welcome back to the Matt Buff Show. We are still following what's going on with our kids and schools and colleges everywhere. And it's just crazy. Kyrie Irving, uh, a guard for the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, was uh, kicked out of the league basically for five days and has to go under all this treatment and everything because he shared a tweet that may have had some anti-Semitic remarks in it. And uh, he's been put through the ringer. Uh, Kanye West lost a billion dollars for pointing out that uh, Jews run the uh, industry of sports and music, and he got a million dollars taken away from him. But, you know, there's professors out there that are practicing this stuff every single day and teaching kids that Jews are bad. You know who's all over it? Sharice Trump with Speech First. Sharice, welcome back to the show. Hey, great to be back. 
All right. So I got this uh, article that you guys, um, there's just been some really good news right. and some wins. But I do want to talk about this new center at Columbia University is going to reimagine the economy to be more inclusive and, and, uh, and fair. And uh, they're just also talking about the anti-Semitism going on at Berkeley Law School. Uh, law school. What's going on right. out there? Yeah, well, the idea of using hundreds of millions of dollars from the universities to promote diversity and promote um, the exchange of ideas, uh, that's something that has always been going on. And, you know, the universities constantly say this is where they're putting their money. But then when you look closer, they're dedicating it towards what they call diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives. And these DEI initiatives actually do the opposite. Most of the times these they create policies that tamp down on student debate and student speech. They also, and it very regularly usually will monitor students and kind of what they're doing, ask students to report on each other like we've discussed before. Um, but additionally, you know, a lot of these DEI departments have espoused anti-Semitic viewpoints and they actively encourage anti-Israel or anti-Zionist um, viewpoints on campuses. They'll encourage students to find ways to um, put those voices down and to, to censor them. And this is something that we're seeing across the country. It's been happening for years, but now that you know some of the bigger universities are being accused of these things, we're starting to see more and more coverage of it. But it is something that I want to recognize has been happening for years and has been kind of building up. And these DEI offices are really part of the perpetuation of it. Yeah, we see these kids out there raving, waving Palestinian flags and all these signs about the Jews. How come the media isn't coming down on them hardcore? Well, I mean, I'm sure we all can uh, assume what it is. It's, it's part of this far left kind of woke agenda, right? So the DEI departments, obviously, uh, there's, no, there's no question about the fact that they do lean left, that they, they espouse critical race theory and some of these really far left radical ideas, and they push that on campus. But additionally, you know, there was a report that came out not too long ago from the Heritage Foundation that showed 96% of DEI staff on 65 universities have put on social media actually posts that are anti-Semitic, anti-Israel or anti-Zionist. So there is obviously in that same vein of thinking there's, there are folks who are either anti-Semitic or anti-Israel and they're going to push their politics. And this is no secret, right? That the left pushes their politics very hard on campuses and in K through 12 education. So it's no surprise that they're going to start using whatever power they have through these new departments and all of this new money that's coming into them to continue pushing their political viewpoints, which are inherently anti-Israel. And why do you think everybody needs to follow speech first and donate and, and chip in? Because a lot of people don't understand you guys are fighting back against this stuff and you're right. exposing it. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think this is, I, you know, we've, we've covered this issue, um, you know, through various articles and, and various podcast episodes. But I will say that what, a lot of what we're seeing is students who are already have kind of have some sort of anti-Semitic tendencies being encouraged by university officials. And universities are not taking these opportunities to educate students who are trying to discriminate against pro-Israel students or Jewish students. They're, you know, the, the universities could take that as a teaching moment and be like, hey, FYI, you know, this is America. There's this thing called the First Amendment. And let's educate you on what free speech is in this country, what viewpoint discrimination is, what, you know, actual anti-Semitism looks like. But instead, the universities are just kind of backing away from it. They usually talk around why they'll attempt to shut down something, but they'll oftentimes encourage student government associations or allow those student government associations to outlaw or restrict 
you know, Jewish support and Israeli support on campuses. So there's there's a huge gap here and, and it, it kind of disconnect from the administrators to what the students are doing. And we can only kind of assume at this point that it is nefarious and that there is some sort of malice behind it. Well, there is malice behind it because what you're trying to do is shut up people from expo- expressing their opinions. That's the malice behind it. Free, right, absolutely. free speech out the window. This other weird story, Cambridge University under fire for teaching woke, gender-neutral German. German language expert says, we have no German word for woke, so we borrowed it from the English. What is going on at Cambridge? Yeah, well, that's kind of interesting because the English language is very heavily borrowed from the Germanic language. So <laughs> it's kind of weird how they're kind of like this back and forth. But OK, there's no language. There's no word for woke. But I mean, it's there's no surprise. I mean, we saw the Air Force Academy also recently say that they that, that you, you need to use gender neutral language. Right. You can't use husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend anymore. So there's, this is a trend that is kind of sweeping across the country. Um, you know, I think uh, there's been a couple of universities that have huge lists of, of words that you're not allowed to use as students. Obviously, a very clear and evident violation of the students' First Amendment rights. Um, and, you know, there's definitely cases there. If students, you know, do get punished or investigated for their speech, they absolutely should reach out to Speech First and organizations like ours uh, and let us know what's going on. You know, we have a tip line on our website to, you know, sh- report anything that you see. You can reach out anytime to us, info at speechfirst.org. But these are, you know, these are the incidents that we're seeing these are the trends that we're seeing sweep across the country. And unless we start fighting back and really hold these schools legally accountable to the First Amendment and the Constitution, then nothing's really going to change. Well, it's good uh, when linguists like this slamming Cambridge, uh, slams Cambridge University mm-hmm. says uh, English or language doesn't evolve from the top down. Maybe you can do that in North Korea, but not in our society. But the left wants a little bit of North Korea action here, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They've been manipulating language for years. This is a big part of their tactics and the kind of what their major for, for the goals of their major agenda. They do want to change the meaning to words. It's a big part of how you gain power and control over society is to be able to define what terms mean and to redefine what terms mean. You know, this is the typical Orwellian concept where it's you two plus two equals five, changing the way people are allowed to think about things. Um, and it first starts with the language and basic logic. And so this is something that, you know, is, is part of a minor tactic to a big major agenda that they have. And then finally, let's talk about the um, censor squads that you guys are going after. And everybody check out Speech First to see all the recent wins with UCF, but also some of the current work they're doing. Speech First is going after bias response teams on campus, what they call censor squads, since this is a key avenue colleges take to silence students from speaking up. And they dropped their report. We have this report. We're going to post it for everyone to see. But this report uh, does discuss free speech in the crosshairs, bias reporting on college campuses. I love that. Uh, I love that censor squad. This takes uh, rat and uh, hall monitor to a whole new level. <laughs> No, that's an excellent way to put it. it. Takes rat and hall monitor to a whole new level. They are actually trying to encourage students and prepare students to be offended by things that their fellow peers are saying. Camaraderie completely goes out the window with this. Everyone's kind of looking over their shoulders and waiting for someone to offend them. But anything that's considered bias or offensive language can be reported to these censor squads. You know, the universities refer to them oftentimes as bias reporting systems or bias response teams. Uh, Sometimes they'll use various other names to kind of cover up the true meaning behind this. But at the end of the day, 
the purpose is all the same. They want to monitor and investigate students' speech, and they want to be able to tamp down and discipline students who uh, espouse ideas that are different than theirs or diverge from the woke dogma. So this is very scary stuff. This is something straight out of East Germany where you have to report to the Stasi. You know, you have neighbors reporting on neighbors. It is going to ruin the college experience for many students. So this is something we need to really we fight back on. And the lawsuits really are kind of one of the best avenues to do that. So the more we know about what's going on on campuses, the more we can help file these lawsuits on behalf of our members. Well, the fight is big, but the fight is necessary. And Speech, Speech First is doing that. How can people get in contact with you and help out? Yeah, absolutely. You know, go to speechfirst.org and press donate. You can sign up to become a member as well and so that we will get email updates and mailers so that, you know, of our newsletters telling you what's going on on campuses around the country. You can find me on Twitter, or Twitter, it's Sharice Trump, and you can also find Speech First on Twitter as well. Yeah, we're getting a little free speech back on Twitter too. Not so bad. I posted. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to... Yeah, looking forward to what that's going to all look like at the at the end. Um, we'll see. I know I know Musk is kind of struggling a bit, um, but you know it's that was kind of anticipated. So yeah, that's right. It's it's that was another big uh, mountain to overcome too. He didn't. I don't think he realized how deep the uh, entrenches go at, twi Ooh, at Twitter. Yeah, yeah, something you can only know once you're in there. <laughs> hey, one tweet at a time, right, Sharice? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for the update, everybody. Check out speechfirst.org. But thanks for joining us again on the show. Yeah, always happy to be on. Okay, sounds good. We'll be back on the Map Buff Show. You stay with us. Are you a public employee? Tired of paying union dues when inflation and gas prices are out of control? Opt out today and keep your money. Over 100,000 American workers already have, and you can too. Visit optouttoday.com to learn more. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. Happy hours every day of the week and all day Sunday. $1 off drafts and house wines. $2 off well liquors. And Liam Fitzpatrick's has tons of special events. Tonight, $7.99 burger and fries. Tomorrow, live music. Liam Fitzpatrick's does catering and has a private room for your meetings, luncheons, and parties. Mention The Buff Show and get 10% off your order. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. LiamFitzpatrick's.com. Veritas Tactical. Tactical, a family and law enforcement owned company where you can get custom built ARs with purpose built precision. They have a full line of handguns like Glock, Sig Sauer, Smith & Wesson, and get your everyday carry items and accessories. Moreover, they are your Liberty Safe dealer. Need training? Veritas Tactical has all you need from getting your CCW to advanced tactical courses, female survival courses, and force-on-force -force scenarios. Veritas Tactical has a full-time gunsmith on site, Sarah Coding Services, laser engraving and more mention the buff show and get a 25 dollars discount on courses you'll find veritas tactical at 207 north goldenrod road suite 200 in orlando contact veritas tactical 407-309-3000 407-309-3000 and at veritas tactical.com veritas tactical tactical Welcome back to the Map Off Show. Great to have you with us today. And we are following this Trump making an announcement about running for 2024. There's others who have different thoughts about that. Let's just put it that way. Let's go to our good friend Lillian Rodriguez-Bays is here to 
discuss readyforron.com and so much more. There's a lot of questions on this day that Trump is making his announcements, Lillian. What are your thoughts on that? I guess we'll have to um, just wait and see, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I have any thoughts on this. We're ready for Ron. I want to talk about Ron DeSantis. <laughs> yeah, we got to. I mean, we have to mention the Trump thing because I'm getting it from all sides. Like, we I don't want... Uh, I think Trump killed the possibility of DeSantis being his VP, which I didn't want that anyway. Also, we have people saying they don't want to see the two fighting together against each other and uh, causing all these problems because they think, and let me get your thoughts on this, that Trump will run Ron's family down into the ground and make it hard for him in the future. I found that a very interesting point. Not sure that would happen. My thought is Ron DeSantis, sometimes in the Republican Party, you might just find a better candidate. It's not he's a threat to Trump. Maybe he's just better. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, that will be up to the people, right? We are obviously ready for Ron and we are ready for Ron. We are literally ready for Ron. So that's all that I can really, I, that's as, as much as I want to wait in on that, because I know that the media is very good at, you know, pitting the two against one another. And that's not what we're about here. You know, we've made that abundantly clear. We're not an anti-Trump pack. We're just solely focused on Ron DeSantis. And, you know, that's, that's what we're doing. That's our core mission here is to persuade him to run for president, but that doesn't mean that we're anti-Trump. So I guess as far as whatever Trump is, is going to do, we'll have to just all wait and see in real time. There's a report going around and this one, you can probably, probably seen some of this stuff. There's reports going around that Ron DeSantis might be the new look for the establishment G, uh, GOP because he's had some PAC money and some meetings with some establishment GOPers. What are your thoughts on that where Ron DeSantis would be a figurehead for the old establishment Republican? Hmm. I've been hearing that that word being tossed out a lot lately, but it's it's being used like in a pejorative context. It's not necessarily there's there's not a there's not a positive slant on that. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, this is what I can say about Ron DeSantis. I think he's done a phenomenal job in Florida. I think he has now amassed a national attention around him, national recognition. A lot of people are looking to Ron DeSantis as the potential, you know, a prospective Republican nominee to be on the ticket in 2024. Um, he obviously said it in his own words, Florida is where woke comes to die. And he's, you know, made this, you know, fighting against the woke culture that a lot of people here in Florida, but really I think nationwide are so sick of. He's made that a mainstay of his political agenda. And that has been really appealing to a lot of people. So I don't know. I mean, if you want to call that establishment, I disagree with that, but I don't know, you know, to each, to each its own. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I had a big debate the other night where um, on a radio show where I was sticking up for DeSantis, not responding to Trump's name calling of him, where he called him DeSanctimonious. And uh, <laughs> I, just, I didn't get that one, but they were like, well, Ron should respond. And I'm like, no, he shouldn't. And then they brought that point up about the establishment. I'm like, Ron DeSantis has been everything but establishment. Um, he's really looked out for the parents here in Florida, looking out for the tax burden that we're getting from the feds here in Florida. I mean, there's just a lot of things he's done successfully as governor. I don't think he has to explain that to anyone except the people that support him and vote for him. Yeah, I think so, too. I think you're right. 
And, um, you know, he's obviously been doing a great job here in Florida, which is why he won by a landslide and why we've seen this, you know, very um, incredible political realignment. And, and the county that I live in, Miami-Dade County, right, has, you know, swung red completely for the first time in two decades. And I think that we can directly attribute that to Ron DeSantis, to his appeal, to the fact that people like his policies. Um, and that says a lot, right? And, and I know that, you know, I recently interviewed with someone and they said to me, yeah, but it's just one state. It doesn't mean that the rest of the country is ready for Ron. And I said, well, it's just one state, but it's, it's really no small feat to turn a county that has been, you know, historically purple or a state that's been historically, you know, the premier swing state um, and particularly like, you know, certain counties like Miami-Dade that have been, you know, going blue for a long time. It's no small feat to swing them, you know, red after so, you know, so many years. Um, so I think we can use that as a bellwether. We can view that as a bellwether of the power of Ron DeSantis and his impact and, and what he can potentially do if he were to run for office. I, I mean, I, I think that he appeals to a lot of people. It's no secret that a lot of independents have also gravitated to him. He resonates with a lot of people, even, you know, some, some, even liberals. I mean, it's, you know, this is, this is, you know, pretty common knowledge by now. So the power of Ron DeSantis is undeniable. And we are trying to harness that at the moment here at the PAC to get as much support as possible now that the midterms are behind us. And, you know, the view is now, you know, toward the 2024 general elections. Well, let's talk about that two decade long victory. I mean, in Miami data was remarkable. We'll get into the numbers, but Florida's really done a good job of cleaning up its elections. No fraud allowed and severe penalties. You must have ID, no ballot harvesting allowed. And we tabulate those early votes before election day so that you can't see how many you need to win. That makes a difference for any candidate, Republican or Democrat. You want a clean election. And what happened in the numbers in Miami-Dade where you live is just remarkable how well Ron DeSantis did with women, Hispanics, Hispanics Blacks, and independence. I mean, the numbers were quite staggering, all over 50%. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. I think he won by, I think, what was it, a 20 point, 19, 20 point margin? Um, it really was a sweep. I mean, he did, he did amazingly. And again, you know, I think it speaks to the fact that the Democratic Party down here has not done a good job. They didn't do a good job, you know, leading up to the midterms, too. They're, they were responding with a lot of, you know, their counter responses were a lot of, you know, just the usual woke things that they don't resonate down here. I mean, this is a predominantly Hispanic, you know, community and the policies that drive people to the polls are not the policies that might drive people to the polls in Massachusetts, for example. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Incred incredible victory for Ron DeSantis. I think it um, is a good harbinger of things to come. And we certainly view it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Readyforron.com is the site. I do support Donald Trump. Big Donald Trump fan, big supporter. I just don't mind, and this is what blows people's mind. They get mad at me for saying, I just don't mind when a great candidate like Ron DeSantis comes around. That's where I draw the line is where I say, you can make fun of the liberals and all that stuff and call them names and everything, but when you start picking on my governor, that's where I draw the line right there. And he's <laughs> And and the proof is in the results. He absolutely routed Charlie Crist. It was never close. He beat him more in the actual election than the polls showed. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, Charlie Crist is uh, old news. He's like the perennial loser. He just kind of came back out of nowhere. And he I, I don't know what compelled him to, to run against somebody as, uh, I don't know, as as influential as Ron DeSantis, as well liked as Ron DeSantis. Uh, so but yeah, I mean, the, the numbers don't lie. Clearly, it, it he was not a fan favorite. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because you're talking about 2024, right? Ron DeSantis 2024, which means he would have to start the campaign next year. Right. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, because um, next year, meaning, I mean, this is the end of this year. Trump is going to announce that he's running tonight. And uh, so Ron DeSantis has to basically they're going to, the media is going to come after him. Are you guys ready for that? The media is going to be hounding him every chance they get yeah. and answer him. He's going to be on the record about this very soon. You probably, and from your pack, you guys think it'll be within three months then. I don't have a specific timeline. I think it's, it's all, it would be speculative on anyone's part, unless somebody has insider information. I cer certainly don't. We're a completely unaffiliated pack. You know, we're not, that's something that I, I always sort of try to disclose up front is we're not affiliated with Ron DeSantis. We're acting as an independent grassroots movement. You know, we're a draft movement. We're trying to get people to support Ron DeSantis so that he can run for president in 2024, so that he will be sufficiently persuaded to run for president in 2024 once he sees how much support he has um, from people all around the country. Um, so yeah, we're not affiliated with him. And I, I wanna really disclaim that because I think there's some confusion, um, but yeah. No, that's true. And that's why I asked the question because that is important to know that this is not an affiliation, but a support organization. You guys can see the video. You can sign up. You can join today, readyforron.com. Yes. This question will be answered very soon. And uh, do you see site traffic going up? Because we look at poll numbers that show Ron DeSantis gaining more and more popularity. Just like you said at the beginning of the show, the yeah. America's starting to notice him more. He actually went up and campaigned for Lee Zeldin, and it helped in New York. So... Do you see site traffic? Do you see signups going up dramatically at all? I know they've gone up. Um, as far as site traffic, Matt, you're asking the wrong person. I am the least technical person. I have absolutely no idea how to track that stuff. I think I'd have to defer to someone on our team and get back to you. But I can imagine that they would have, especially now with the momentum being what it is. I can imagine that it's probably gone up and and we're obviously optimistic that it will continue to go up and that more and more people will, you know, join in on this collective movement to support him to run for president in 2024. So. Well, talk about your background, because a lot of new listeners in Atlanta, New York City and Orlando might not know who you are. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm an attorney from Miami I, and I came to Miami um, as a young, uh, young, that's an understatement. As a four year old, I was about three, about to turn four. Uh, immigrated from Cuba with my mother. We made the trip on a boat. So, you know, it's it's an interesting story, certainly not unique in the sense that there are so many Cuban refugees here that settled in Miami, and this particular in the Miami-Dade County community, and, you know, a lot of immigrants in Florida now in general. But yeah, that's my background. Came from Came from, you know, an oppressive Cuban government. My mom wanted to obviously afford me a better life. And we escaped, we made it to the United States and we built a life here. Um, and I am a, I've been a you know, practicing attorney since 2013. And now I am you know, uh, dabbling in politics and 
it's because it's it's personal to me. It's interest, you know, it's it's something that 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 resonates with me. It's something that I'm passionate about to the extent that I want to make sure that we elect a leader that cares about preserving the values um, that people like my mother who risked their lives, who risked, you know, people that like us who risked our lives to come and, and to um, seek better opportunities um, came here for, you know, if, if we allow those things to erode and if we continue electing politicians that erode those values, um, you know, I think a lot of people are going to suffer going forward. It's not the America that that I've known and it's not the America that I want to see going forward. So someone like Ron DeSantis, who's doing everything in his power and has been doing everything in his power to preserve those values of freedom and, and family and, you know, just the, the core values um, that America has been historically known for. You know, that's that's why I support him. Well, on the world stage, I'd love to see how he handles this Ukraine money situation. Um, we know he would handle COVID and other things a lot differently. Pretty impressive record in Florida. I think he's the most popular governor in Florida and the most respected. And that's a threat to a lot of people, a lot yeah. of people. So this is all coming to a head. We're going to see what happens. But Lillian, thanks for taking the time. And everybody check out readyforron.com. Thank you, Matt. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. That will do it for this edition of the Matt Buff Show. You guys stay smart out there. We'll see you next time.